Hello, guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Master Your Mental. I'm super excited to be virtually sitting here with Bonnie Mosby. I'm so excited to get into this topic with her because we actually connected on Instagram. I found her there and I slid into her DMs and I'm like, would you be down to come on the show and talk about your experiences with bipolar and just also how you turn that in to something to help others? And she said yes. So here we are today. And before we go ahead and get into that and introduce her, I want to read off a little bit about who she is and what she does for you guys. So Bonnie is a mental health advocate and high performance coach. She uses her experiences with bipolar type two, social anxiety, and a traumatic brain injury, and being an athlete to support and encourage others dedicated to forging their own paths. And we're going to be getting into a lot of cool topics today, but on that note, I'm super excited to have you here, Bonnie. So thank you so much for coming out and joining me today. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm really excited to do this. Um, this is new for me, but I love to do new hard things. So yes. yeah, well, I'm super excited to talk with you because something that I found interesting when I was looking up your page, you have a 10 years of playing rugby. Is that correct? Yes. 10 yes. year history. And something that really stuck out to me on your page is seeing a post that you made where you put it out there of like this feeling of the perfectionism and being okay where you are and being able to accept and just really feature more of that. Because I feel like when you're in it and you're competing, you're always trying to be better. You're always trying to push yourself. And on top of that, already having a diagnosis or not having a diagnosis yet. So I'd love to get into your story and just learn more about when you were diagnosed, when that happened and how that related and impacted your sports and everything like that. Um, yeah. So when I got diagnosed was post my career ending head injury. Um, so I was never diagnosed while I was playing. So that was, um, the best way I can describe it. I had a disordered relationship with my sport. Mm -hmm. Um, it just was very unhealthy, very toxic, very perfectionism, all of the things. Um, I now do jujitsu and my relationship with sport has changed a lot. I now understand that you're going to get better. If you do something, you're going to get better at it. And even if you don't get better at it, if you're having fun, like that's really what matters. So I have a completely different mindset now. And I think that new mindset that I've adopted came from my diagnosis and having to really put myself and my mental health first. Wow. And especially when you talk about that part of putting your mental health first, but then not getting the diagnosis until after the injury that happened. So what was that like of like, after you got the diagnosis, how did you feel? What were your thoughts when you had that happen? Um, so I grew up in a household where like mental health wasn't super talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, but my mom would hear in there say like, Oh, I think your dad is bipolar. So like, it was kind of that annoying trope that we hear all the time. But then when I got diagnosed, I was like, maybe, maybe he is, maybe I really am. Like, maybe this is, maybe this is the answer. Like, this is why I haven't made sense to myself. Um, so then I started to seek out support groups and stuff like that. And then I really used Instagram as that platform. I like cleaned out all the people I was following all of my followers. And I was like, bipolar disorder. I want to know everything about it. Um, so yeah, that's something that I wish that 
I have had done a long time ago, especially when you mentioned, you know, getting clear on wanting to learn more about this. And after you get the diagnosis, having that family history of it and just having it be like mentioned a little bit of like, your dad might have this. And then, you know, wanting to learn more of what to do to move forward from it and not really just let it be that label that's slapped on you that, you know, you're bipolar, you just need to stay struggling and you're not going to be able to get better no matter what you do. And there's nothing that's ever going to matter. And just really drowning in that mindset that we can all fall victim to. So something that you mentioned that I really liked was the radical acceptance. And then also kind of going back into something else that I saw too, of, you know, when you're not feeling your best and then just continuing to push yourself and then almost like continue to try to do that with, with the sports is which we all kind of can find ourselves doing. So I love to kind of learn more about what was helpful for you in coming out of that. Was it getting into jujitsu or was there something that you found to be really helpful for you for that? Um, I, so hobbies became very important. I never had hobbies. I was an athlete. I played rugby. I worked out and I, you know, in like a a Tinder bio, I would say I like to hike for funsies. (laughs) Um, but that was my whole personality. That was it. That's all I had. So when my brain injury happened and of course there was a whole downward spiral there, it got really dark, of course, before I uh, reached out for help and got my diagnosis. Um, but I got into plants. Mm. Um, I'm a houseplant fanatic. I love them. Um, I am a fan. I love houseplants. Uh, I collect (laughs) them. I have, I only have over 50, so I don't have like a whole lot compared to most people who collect plants, but Wow. Um, I do love it. Oh my gosh. I love that. And especially the transition of how you mentioned like getting into hobbies and then, and then discovering different things that you enjoy and like, Mm -hmm. aside from just pouring everything into working out rugby, really, really dedicating all of yourself to that, really discovering Mm -hmm. who you are and what your other passions are. And another thing that really stuck out to me too, with that was how you talked about building your own support system. How did you go about doing that? Uh, boundaries and not in the typical, I, the way that boundaries were kind of introduced to me, it was very confusing. I didn't understand it. And now I get that, you know, I can, I can trust my feelings. I can trust like the hormones that comes in the neurotransmitters that come together inside of me to create these feelings that I have. I can trust these things, um, and make decisions based off of it. And that included in kind of curating that support group. Um, if, if the relationship didn't feel right, it was time to let it go. And it didn't have to be a big conversation or anything like that. It just kind of, I let some relationships go and that was it. And it, no hard feelings, no, nothing there. Like, um, in most of those cases, we both knew we had outgrown each other anyway. So we just moved on in our own separate directions. Um, I've created boundaries around the type of people that I will now allow into my life. I'm very careful who like when I'm meeting new people, I'm kind of like, all right, this person's okay. This person I'm not so sure about. (laughs) Um, so I'm very careful, but boundaries, boundaries was a big one. Um, and just really trusting myself that radical acceptance piece that even with the bipolar disorder, I can trust how I feel. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That, so especially how you talk about trusting how you feel and then letting relationships go, because I feel like that's something that I know I struggle with a lot. And then hearing other people also who share their diagnosis and their story with bipolar of how different their life was from how it was before 
when you were at your lowest to now and being able to make those changes and then really understand trusting how you feel and not continuing to be getting into that pattern of thinking these things are a certain way when they're not. And we're telling ourselves, well, this is the way it has to be. Maybe you've always had this person in your life and you have to keep this relationship. You have to you know, stay doing these things because we tie it to our identity. And who are, mm-hmm. who am I without this? Or, and that's also what I heard from another friend of mine who talked about sports and really identifying that. And then once it's taken away from going through an injury similar to you and then being like, no, well, now what do I do? Like now who mm-hmm. am I? So I'd love to ask you about that. What was it like going from that period of having the sports for 10 years to transitioning out of it and then starting to make these changes? Oh man. Um, Oh, it was hard. It was so hard. Um, and like you said, you know, who am I in that? It's like, I can ask that question and it's just kind of like, Oh, who am I? Like, I'm just discovering who I am. Da 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 da. But back then it really was, I took a good hard look in the mirror and I was like, who am, who am I? I don't even know who I am. I don't know this person looking back at me and like, Um, I made a lot of physical like changes to my appearance too, when all of the changes started taking place. And I know there's that whole joke about when people have a mental illness, they dye their hair and they do all these things. And it's like, yeah, because we discover who we are. (laughs) We're we're unicorns, dang it. Um, (laughs) oh my God. Yeah, it was hard. And I definitely went through that losing, losing rugby was hard. And I was a multi-sport athlete my whole life. And initially with the injury, it's my understanding that sports is not in the cards for me. Um, however, I'm making the decision to still be an athlete because I just don't see, I don't see a fulfilling life without it. I haven't figured out how to fill that gap yet. So I'm just kind of, I'm taking the risk. I don't recommend it. Um, so that is something that I've not, I haven't even talked to my therapist about that. She's kind of mentioned it here and there, but I'm like, nope, we're not having this conversation. (laughs) So especially when you're talking about the physical changes that you went through and then getting into all of that and then having this thing out there where people are like, oh, you know, like how mental illness is seen in movies and depicted and shows and things like that. When you talked about the boundary piece, how did you get over the struggle with being able to set the boundaries? Oh my God. A lot of crying. I cried the first time. The first time, um, my dad and I, we don't agree on political views at all. And the first time I told him that, that, you know, that I didn't want him sharing his political views with me anymore. I cried for days after that. I was so scared. And like, he still talked to me. Everything was fine. Nothing like everything was okay. And I was, I was still not diagnosed at this point, but I knew that I had to start making some changes for myself post head injury. Um, Oh man, I cried. I just, that's, that's all that happened. I was so scared that I had ruined the relationship with, you know, with my dad, like that's my dad. Like that's been my best friend my whole life. We're, we're twins. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, but yeah, a lot of crying and even over the friendships and stuff like that, like I still grieve those relationships. It wasn't just a cut and dry thing. You have to, uh, grief is real. I think more than we want to, uh, want to admit. Yeah. And I love something that you mentioned before about when you're transitioning out of the relationships, like knowing that you both have grown out of it, because especially that's something that I can relate to a lot, especially with being super close to my dad. Right. And then having this fear of wanting to say how you're feeling or how these different things are making you feel from someone else's standpoint. And then also, like you said, becoming more aware of who you are after 
after dedicating so much of your life to sports. And then I think an amazing thing about that is that you've turned that into something to be able to put out more of what it's like to be vulnerable, because that's always what I used to feel like. Is it scary to put yourself out there? And like you said, you're feeling all these emotions and letting yourself finally have that. Because when you're in the other stages of your life, when you are so involved with the sports, it's almost like you, you don't allow yourself to feel that it takes away from contributing to performance. Something that I've noticed in conversations with with other people also diagnosed is the supportive aspect of family of how big an impact that makes when you don't feel like you have that support or you don't have that support. So I'd love to talk about that because I know you mentioned with the diagnosis, what was it like for you when you got that in terms of, did you feel like you had the support? So at first I wasn't sure. Um, I was not sure how people would take it, what they would say, if, if they would believe it. Um, so the first people I told were my parents, cause I'm, I'm very, very close with my parents. We've had a rocky relationship here and there, but we are very close. Um, so I told them first and it was just this, and especially for my dad, who I was really unsure how he would, you know, feel about the whole thing. Um, he wanted to learn everything there was to know about it. And he, once he started watching the YouTube videos and stuff like that, he's like, I understand this from your childhood. And I can understand why you did this, this one time, like my diagnosis really just was the glue that brought us all together. Cause it, I guess it, it helped them understand things from, you know, how, how I kind of behave, some of my behaviors that helped them understand them. Um, and then it helped me understand some of my behaviors and also gave me that extra to, um, I hate you word healing, but I guess heal. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's so overused and it's kind of blocked now, but <laughs> it's just an ongoing process. Healed is not a destination, mm-hmm. I guess is how I feel. Oh my gosh. No. And I love that. Especially when you talk about the first piece of will people believe it? Because, you know, when you're talking about getting a diagnosis and then maybe, oh, you don't seem like that, or you don't seem Mm -hmm. like you'd be bipolar. And still to this day, like still having conversations with people about that and trying to educate people about it. But I love that you mentioned that the fact that you feel like it brings you more together because of Mm -hmm. the fact that your dad wanted to learn about it. You know, he was wanting to watch videos, wanting to read books and wanting to really to learn more of understanding about it. So, and especially like in part with that too. So do you help other athletes also diagnose with bipolar? And I'd love to hear like how you got into that. That's really cool to me. Yeah. So not specifically right now, I'm just coaching rugby at the same college that I played at. Um, and I do work with them on a mental health level. Um, but it's kind of like when they want to, it's nothing that's forced upon them or anything like that. If they've got something going on, come to me kind of like a mental health coach. So not a therapist, but I can help them find a therapist, Mm -hmm. um, which is my favorite thing to do for people (laughs) is to help them through that process. Um, cause it's a scary one. Right. And especially Mm -hmm. when you're in college, you don't have the funds to pay for that. A lot of people don't have insurance. So you need someone who can help you out. Um, so that's really the main thing that I do right now. I'm still trying to find my footing in coaching. Uh, I want to move into more of like life coaching, um, athletes who have gone through what I've gone through. Maybe they're re-entering sport, maybe sports over forever. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're trying to heal that relationship with movement. Um, and then also just clients being diagnosed with bipolar is just a plus. Yes. Oh my gosh. And just, that's really what I like to to hear and just ask people with what you found useful, because something I've seen before is there's nothing to be, I guess you could use the word like grateful for when it comes to 
being diagnosed with bipolar, having these experiences. But when you can take what you've gone through and then really be able to say, here's the changes I'm making, I feel like it almost in a kind of a strange way is something that opens your eyes up to the ways in which you were really neglecting yourself and then learning how to establish a routine. And even if you don't stick to it every single day, like you still are able to learn more about yourself and things that you enjoy, like getting into houseplants and having only 50 so far, which is really cool. And I definitely need to get more myself, but I love just being able to see what has worked for people. So if you could share, cause I know you've shared already radical acceptance and then building that support group. And then also another one that you talked about was the boundaries. So setting those boundaries. So if there's one big change that you've made from your life so far of when you can think back to when you were struggling the most to now, what was that change and what effect did it have? Oh man. Um, this is going to sound so corny and maybe it just sounds corny to me because I'm an athlete. So we're like berated with this all the time, but, um, myself talk. I, when I was in my deepest darkest, and of course with bipolar disorder, it comes intrusive thoughts and all of the things, um, that we can't control. But I, I made sure that that conscious part of me, um, and I will say that I don't, I have bipolar too. So I don't, um, experience psychosis. So of course it's different for those individuals. I don't know what that's like. Um, but for me, my self-talk was a big thing when I was in my deep, dark place, you know, the bipolar monster likes to whisper really dark things in your ear. Um, so you hear that voice talking to you, telling you to harm yourself or do whatever it is. Um, and now I first started talking back to that voice and saying, you know, no, I don't want to do these things, whatever, whatever. And now it's a lot lighter note where maybe I'm just beating myself up because I had a bad, bad role at jujitsu. Um, and I'm like, no, everything's fine. You're still learning. Um, so self-talk was really, that was a big piece for me. No, just everything that you said just resonates so much with me because especially when you talk about the intrusive thoughts and then having those coming in and then being able to talk back to it. I've never heard it that way. So picturing that bipolar monster coming up and then having these things going into your mind and then thinking, okay, then I should listen and I'm really not good enough or I suck at this or no one likes me or you know all these things that we tell ourselves when we get... we. Act catching yourself. So you talked about shifting away from that and then telling yourself that, no, like you don't want to do these things and learning to have that compassion, I think is huge. And honestly is something that I've seen make such a difference in so many others. So I love that you bring that up and then also really paint that picture of what that looked like for you as well. So I'm super excited for you too. And I, I love how you're still coaching rugby and then getting into wanting to do more of the coaching and helping more people through this as well. Other athletes transitioning out of this. And then also even other people who have a diagnosis of bipolar disorder as well. So tell us, first of all, thank you for coming on. And then second of all, tell us where can we find more of you and connect with you more? Um, so I'm only on Instagram. I'm not on any other platforms. Um, but you can find me at the imperfect human. So the period imperfect period human. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at that mentally ill plant lady with underscores between every word. Um, both accounts have their own own fun thing. My mental health advocacy page is more the imperfect human. That's my website. That's my coaching stuff, all the things. Um, and then that mentally ill plant lady is just plants and being mentally ill. 
Oh my gosh. I love it. And I will definitely be sure to put all that information in the show notes for you guys, but definitely go follow Bonnie and go check out what her, more of her story on her page, because I'm so happy that we got connected and that you got to hear a little bit more of her story here today and the tips and things that have been helpful for her in overcoming those obstacles that we all find ourselves facing with bipolar and how to stay consistent with that on a daily basis. Right. Because just like you said, healing is not, it's not, you don't do it once and you're good. It's a process. And we're always continuing to do that. So I want to thank Bonnie for coming out here. And I want to thank you guys for being here, tuning in and listening. And on that note, I want to say bye to you guys and bye to Bonnie. So bye guys. And bye, Bonnie. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you for being here for this episode. I was so excited to bring Bonnie to you guys and really have you tune into her story of what it's been like to have over 10 years in a career being an athlete and then getting into her story of getting her diagnosis of bipolar two after that and really hearing how she has been able to work on different things to really be able to master the obstacles that she has faced with bipolar disorder. So getting into setting boundaries and radical self-acceptance and building that support system and really being able to continue to do that work that she talks about in this episode. And it's important to me because I want to show you guys more of what works for other people who are also living with bipolar disorder like me and like my guests, and maybe like you might be, or like someone that you love and care for might be as well, that you want to come here and learn more things that have helped and how they've helped others. So that's really why I wanted to bring this conversation to the table for you. And it means a lot to hear from you guys and being able to hear feedback from you and let letting me know what you like about the episodes and what you want to see more of. And the way that you can do that is leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. So I want to read one off for you guys. It says, awesome podcast, five stars. And Paris is an overcomer and her podcast will inspire you that you too can overcome any obstacle. So thank you so much, Paul A. Henderson, for leaving that review. If you guys haven't already, you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for me there as well. And if you want more tips and ways of discovering how to master your mental and more solutions when it comes down to bipolar disorder, then you can go ahead and check out my book, Crooked Illness, that is available on my Instagram at Master Your Mental and on Amazon, where I share what has been helpful and how it's been helpful and how it can also be helpful for you if you're also living with bipolar disorder or know someone who is. So as always, love you guys and hope to see you in the next one.